Can you think of a disease that can affect both young children and older adults globally? A pain in the neck that is life-threatening if missed? If you were thinking bacterial meningitis, you're right. Prior to the antimicrobial era, the prognosis for patients with bacterial meningitis was dismal. Now, the focus has turned to the development of vaccines to prevent this invasive infection. Today, our patient has meningitis, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled, A Pain in the Neck, An Approach to Meningitis. Time for our minute physiology. Our brain and spinal cord are covered by three membranes, the dura, arachnoid, and pia mater, collectively known as the meninges. Their role is to protect the central nervous system, or CNS, by separating it from the blood and forming a blood-brain barrier. Cerebral spinal fluid, also referred to as CSF, is produced by the choroid plexus in the brain's ventricles and circulates through the subarachnoid space, which is between the arachnoid and pia mater. How bacteria and other microbes cross the blood-brain barrier is not well understood. When the CNS defenses are breached, infection of the meninges and subarachnoid space is called meningitis. Now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about our approach. Infectious meningitis can be bacterial, including mycobacterial or tuberculosis, viral or fungal. Although viral meningitis is the most common, we will be focusing on bacterial meningitis since it's a serious condition that should not be missed. The development of meningitis can result from 1. Bacterial colonization of the nasopharynx and subsequent invasion 2. CNS seeding secondary to bacteremia or 3. Direct entry of the organism into the CNS from a contiguous infection for example, sinusitis or otitis trauma, neurosurgery, or CSF leak. Bacterial meningitis can be community-acquired or healthcare-associated. In North America, the majority of cases of community-acquired bacterial meningitis are caused by Streptococcus pneumoniae and Neisseria meningitidis. The incidence of Haemophilus influenzae meningitis has decreased as a result of vaccination. If a patient is older or immunosuppressed, you should also consider Listeria monocytogenes. Predisposing factors include asplenia, complement deficiency, glucocorticoid excess, diabetes mellitus, alcoholism, hypogammaglobinemia, and HIV. Healthcare-associated meningitis is typically iatrogenic and caused by direct inoculation or extension from a surgical site. As such, the microbiology varies and consists predominantly of staphylococci and aerobic gram-negative bacilli. So when should you suspect meningitis? The classic triad of acute bacterial meningitis consists of fever, neck stiffness, and an altered mental status. However, less than half of these patients present with all three findings, although 99% will have at least one of these classic symptoms. The symptoms associated with meningitis generate a broad differential, including encephalitis, sepsis, 
intracranial abscess, ischemic stroke, intracerebral hemorrhage, seizure, delirium, and drug intoxication or withdrawal. However, always remember to have a high index of suspicion for meningitis, as it's a life-threatening condition with an increase in morbidity and mortality if diagnosis is delayed. Let's work through a case together. A 73-year-old woman is brought to the emergency department after sustaining a fall. You find out that she has a two-day history of confusion and general malaise. On physical exam, she is febrile with a temperature of 38.8 degrees Celsius and has stiffness on neck flexion. As in with all your patient encounters, you need to first determine whether or not the patient is stable. Work through the patient's ABCs. What are the vitals? If the patient's plasma coma scale is decreased, are they able to protect their airway? Does this patient need to be in a more monitored setting? Do not hesitate to call someone uh, more senior than you or your staff. Once the patient is stabilized, it is time to complete your history and physical examination. Early clinical recognition of the patients at risk of meningitis is necessary in order to initiate appropriate diagnostic investigations and antimicrobial therapy to prevent adverse outcomes. The signs and symptoms of meningitis are the result of meningeal inflammation and irritation. Ask about fevers, headache, neck stiffness, photophobia, phonophobia, nausea, vomiting, focal neurological symptoms, and lethargy. Any sick contacts or recent travel? Is this patient immunosuppressed? Do they have tuberculosis risk factors or exposure history? Any insect exposures? Any recent head or neck surgeries? Your patient may not be able to provide you with this information, depending on their presentation. So therefore, make sure to obtain collateral history. This should occur after you have completed your initial assessment and initiated the appropriate investigations and treatment. On physical examination, after checking the patient's vital signs, look for symptoms that are suggestive of a CNS infection, including focal neurological deficits or altered level of consciousness. Do you notice any skin rashes? Assess for nuchal rigidity by testing for Koenig's and Brzezinski's signs. These protective reflexes prevent stretching of the hypersensitive nerve roots. Koenig's sign is present when extension of the knee with the hip inflection is painful for the patient. Brzezinski's sign is present when flexion of the neck causes leg flexion. Both the Koenig and Brzezinski sign have low sensitivity but high specificity. Therefore, the absence of these signs does not rule out meningitis. Next, check to see if there is jolt extenuation of the patient's headache by asking the patient to rotate his or her head from left to right. This is one of the most sensitive maneuvers in the diagnosis of meningitis. A full neurological exam should also be completed, including fundoscopy to assess for papilledema, which is a sign of raised intracranial pressure. Since patients with meningitis may not present with classic symptoms, it is important to utilize blood work and investigations to rule out differential diagnoses. A complete blood count is useful to check for leukocytosis, which is suggestive of infection. Make sure there are no electrolyte abnormalities that could be contributing to the patient's altered mental status. You should also obtain two sets of blood cultures prior to starting empiric antibiotics. This is especially important if CSF cannot be obtained prior to starting antimicrobial therapy. The key diagnostic test for suspected bacterial meningitis is a lumbar puncture, which allows you to analyze the CSF, 
However, if you are concerned about a CNS mass lesion, or if there are any signs of increased intracranial pressure, a CT scan of the head should be completed before the LP to reduce the risk of cerebral herniation. The Infectious Disease Society of America IDSA guidelines for bacterial meningitis recommends a CT prior to LP if any of the following criteria are met. Immunocompromised state, history of CNS disease, new onset seizure within one week of presentation, papilledema, abnormal level of consciousness, or focal neurological deficit. Opening pressure should be measured if possible. However, this measurement is only accurate if the LP is performed with the patient lying on their side. CSF examination helps differentiate between the types of meningitis. Components of CSF analysis include appearance, white blood cell count and predominant cell type, total protein concentration, glucose concentration, gram stain, and microscopy. Since viral meningitis is more common than bacterial meningitis, CSF is also sent for virology testing, usually herpes simplex virus 1 and 2, varicella zoster virus, and enteroviruses. In general, bacterial meningitis has the following features. Increased opening pressure, elevated leukocytes with a neutrophil predominance, decreased glucose concentration, elevated protein concentration, and a positive gram stain. In comparison, CSF analysis in viral meningitis reveals a milder CSF pleocytosis with a lymphocytic predominance, normal glucose concentration, normal or high protein concentration, and a negative gram stain. Bacterial meningitis is transmitted through droplets of respiratory or throat secretions from carriers. The average incubation period is four days. Therefore, if you suspect meningitis, initiate droplet precautions which are continued until 24 hours of appropriate antibiotic therapy has been completed or another diagnosis is made. If the lumbar puncture is delayed, the IDSA recommends initiating antimicrobial therapy. Remember that two sets of blood cultures should be obtained first. The goal of empiric therapy is to provide broad coverage for the suspected organisms with antibiotics that penetrate the CSF. In meningitis, this consists of third-generation cephalosporins, ceftriaxone or cefotaxime, which covers streptococcus pneumoniae, Neisseria meningitidis, and Haemophilus influenzae, and vancomycin for resistant strains of streptococcus pneumoniae. If the patient is older than 50 of age or immunocompromised, ampicillin should be added for Listeria monocytogenes. Lastly, acyclovir is added for possible herpes simplex virus or varicella zoster virus encephalitis. The use of adjunctive dexamethasone for two to four days is also recommended, with the first dose either 10 to 20 minutes before or along with the first dose of antimicrobial therapy. A 2002 randomized control trial reported improved outcomes after eight weeks in adults with acute bacterial meningitis who received dexamethasone. Although subgroup analysis demonstrated that this benefit was in patients with pneumococcal meningitis, dexamethasone should be given since the microbiology will not be known when initiating treatment. Once a pathogen is determined and sensitivity is reported, organism-directed treatment is recommended. Often, infectious diseases is involved in the care of these patients and will determine duration of treatment. Time for our Medicine Minute. 
Now that we've gone over the approach to bacterial meningitis, it's time to return to our case. Given the patient's presentation, you suspect meningitis and want to start empiric antimicrobial therapy as soon as possible. When reviewing her medical record, you notice she has anaphylaxis to beta-lactams. What are you going to order? Remember, we typically start a patient on ceftriaxone, vancomycin, ampicillin, and acyclovir. Instead of ceftriaxone, you can use moxifloxacin. And for listeria monocytogens coverage, you can use triamethoprim sulfamatoxol rather than ampicillin. Today's take-home points are Number one, patients with bacterial meningitis may present with vague symptoms, so it's important to have a high index of suspicion. Number two, lumbar puncture is required for the definitive diagnosis of meningitis. Number three, if bacterial meningitis is suspected, start empiric antimicrobial therapy to prevent neurological sequelae. Remember that time is brain. Be sure to check out our website, www.theinternetwork.com. There you can see links to the IDSA bacterial meningitis guidelines, and if you're interested in learning how to perform a lumbar puncture, you can find a link to the video at the New England Journal of Medicine online. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled A Pain in the Neck. This episode was written by Dr. Catherine Steckham, internal medicine resident. Check out the infographic on our website, also by Dr. Catherine Steckham. Uh, this episode was reviewed by Dr. Nishmash Singhal, infectious diseases, and Dr. John Neary, general internal medicine. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai, developed by Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos, and overseen by Dr. Daniel Brand Vegas. This podcast was produced and recorded by Zara Morali. Music production by Laxman Samantha Mohan. If you liked this podcast, please like and subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.